Guys, make sure you're following us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It massively helps us out. Enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Pitch Sides. Woo! Thank you. I was waiting Bring for Bring the someone. hype, yes, baby. I was, um, yeah, so today we're both very excited for this episode because not only am I joined by my brilliant co-host Theo Baker, <laughs> we have the founder of Player Care Group, which is obviously an increasingly uh, hot topic in the world Indeed. of football, Hugo Schechter. Welcome to the Thanks show. Thanks for having me, guys. Really pleased, really pleased to be here. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, we're, we're delighted to have you. Um, so first off, yeah. by your definition yeah. you are a person that works in player care what is the definition of player care yes yeah, good question um i think it's it depends so much on which club you're at so um but kind of what i try and say is that everything that's not first uh, football or medical around the first team so it could be player relocations you know it plays in their family it could be match day operations it could be traveling to the game problem solving i mean on call 24 hours for issues so there's re- but every club does it so differently because mm. it's not something that's been around for a long time so it's kind of organically grown to fill the gaps and so what we did at west ham might look very different to what man city do to what bournemouth do so it kind of there isn't really a nailed on dictionary definition so but kind of the vague way to say it is everything that's not football or medical really is that would you say that is player liaison officer and like a player care officer are they essentially the same thing is there a slight difference well so i think player liaison was like the old-fashioned term like in the 90s it kind of in my mind refers to like one bloke who's kind of been at the club 15 20 years yeah. who's kind of got like a like a, a sorter he's he's a reactive guy who can solve problems yeah. Yeah. and our player care is more of a strategic um maybe department wide with people with different skills and talents that's more proactive so although again there's no like definitions of it because it's such a new industry that's the way i would look at it but then you have player liaisons who do more than head of player care somewhere else and Mm. you know so it's it's all over the place really is is the answer yeah so before we obviously we get on to it i think for the viewers watching at home can you give us um a bit of a background about yourself like where have you worked yeah uh, the types of roles obviously you've had in the past as well yeah absolutely so i started out coaching and that's kind of where i thought my dream would be the next Ah. sort of football manager um but turns out i'm a rubbish player and when you've never played no one ever wants to hear how you can improve them yeah. so they're like we've yeah. never played so um did my coaching badges went out to uni in america and did coaching out there and i thought that'd be my career path and then kind of was looking at it i was like i don't think i'm ever going to get anywhere decent so um i'd worked on like doing team operations and, and organizing the uni teams like mm. you know everyone's done this, like, a little bit of societies or something like that in america the uni stuff's quite big yeah um got my first job at a club called india 11 which is Repping today, um, it's a repping second. both, actually. yeah, repping both, and we're yeah, yeah, repping yeah. the mugs too. There we go, yeah, there yeah we, we go. got gifted. Um, you can't even buy those, so those are, <laughs> those are gift. Um, so India Eleven was a second division team in the U- in the old NASL, now the USL, and it was it was amazing because it was a team that just popped out of nowhere. Like mm. it, in America, that happens where you just like we're in the second division, and we had when I joined, we had one player. One manager. One player? One player. Oh my because wow. we never, it didn't exist before. It's like Inter yeah. Miami, but like yeah. completely different. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it, a good ratio as like a player care. Yeah, it was really good. One to one to one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, really easy. focused this on one easy. guy. But we didn't have a training ground. We didn't have kit. We didn't have anything. Like we, there was like 10 staff. And our first game, we had 13,000 people at the game. So wow. it, it's a big, you know, it goes from zero to, to very big, very, very quickly. Just this one guy running around pitch doing the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quintessential American culture, isn't it? it like it, it is, it, yeah. It explodes rather it, it than... Just, and so the fans were very passionate, but it was a very weird thing for me being a English person in football. And then you have people just go there for the day out. They don't really yes. necessarily like something. But then you yeah. have the really, the hardcore fans as well. But we, 
we signed a World Cup winner in um, Cleberson. Yeah. Member of Man United. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. He was our like marquee signing. Yeah. So we had like guys who were school teachers, and then we had <laughs> Cleberson, the World Cup winning. How does that even builder. happen though? Well, How'd it's, it's a, little, a little bit of a yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but even but even so, like for a second division team to there has to be something a little bit more than money to attract someone of the like well, of Cleberson. Because we had Raul at the New York Cosmos, uh, Marcos Senna, who came from Villarreal, was also at the Cosmos, um, and so there are a couple of like these bigger names dotted in the league. But the idea was it was going to bring people into the games. But actually, I think without him, we would have. I mean, I think we would have sold out anyway because it was such a good hype and it was such a well-organized yeah. team. But to go from having literally nothing mm. to we sold out every single game that season we didn't win any games ah. but we sold out <laughs> yeah. so you know success in different ways yeah. but to build a team literally from scratch we're doing tryouts and like people were just showing up we had people some were ex-pros some were from MLS but to have, be a part of that was really really cool and mm. I did that for like nine months then went to Southampton and and then on to West Ham so you know like but in in that role you know because there's 12 people in the whole club you're doing everything. You know, mm. I was doing team travel, I was doing contracts, I was doing... Contracts as like, well. Like kits, like mm. buying the kit, washing the kit, cleaning out the training ground, like, because there was so few staff. And so I kind of look at it like that was part of my job. At Southampton then, I was player liaison, so you're going to go, this is my remit. Mm. And then at West Ham, yeah. I had to play a player care even more, like, yes. narrow because I had people helping me. So all throughout my career, kind of specialise and specialise. And all the time, you're like, how can you possibly have enough to do? And then six months in you're like how do I have no time at all but really really cool to be part of a brand new team like you know like it doesn't yeah. happen in the UK really at that level it's interesting seeing that with Inter Miami now like they w literally would have started exactly the same as you yeah and I know all their they pretty much sell out most games at the moment yeah. like their 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 fans have just absolutely taken yeah. to that club yeah um, what, what sort of era what years were you at Southampton then so I was uh, 2014 to 2018. So uh, I came in three months into Cumin's reign, okay. and I left under Maurizio Pellegrino. Um, mm. So I did, yeah, Cup final, Europe twice. Um, yeah, some, some. And you say years. that position was a player liaison officer specifically? Yeah. So that I was their first player liaison officer. They'd not had the role before. Okay. And I think like. Ronald came in and, and in Europe they talk about team manager a lot but and team manager is kind of similar to what player liaison is but it's yeah. probably a more senior role probably manages kit and equipment security groundsman that kind of stuff which yeah. I don't or I didn't um, but he was like we need a team manager and then I'd interned there during university in the academy and they said well look you know would you be interested in coming back so I got you know I, I say I got lucky you make your own luck of course yeah. you have yeah. to be remembered and all of that but went in there and I didn't know what I was doing. I, I'd never dreamed of being a player liaison. I don't think anyone does dream of yeah. being a player liaison. But like, I was skeptical at first. I wasn't sure it was for me. Yeah. But went in there, and because they had no expectations, they'd just been promoted a year before, they weren't very high maintenance, and it, it allowed me to grow with the role and get my feet under the door. Mm. Uh, feet under the door? Feet under the rug? Yeah. Whatever, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then get set up and get established, and we sort of grew together. So yeah, it was a really, really cool opportunity. But to go from... Indy 11, second division American game. You know, you got you got a tra away game. You might have 12 fans. To then, we played old, you know <laughs> Old Trafford and we beat yeah. Man United at Old Trafford with yeah. with um, I think it was Tadic scored the winner and he took his shirt off if you remember mm. that. And I'm like, this is mad. You know, like I, I was literally at like, yeah, Charlotte away or wherever it was That's before, ridiculous. and now you're at Old Trafford away. So there was a bit of sort of pinch yourself moment to begin with for sure. So 
you, sorry, you, you sort of at Southampton, you would say you sort of like created the role yourself. You would you'd come up with your own things, or would there be someone above you telling you certain things you have to do? Yeah. Or is it more of a case of just showing initiative and doing things you think is the right thing? So I think it was a bit of both. So I, I report to the club secretary, and that's kind of normally where the player care person reports into because that's a club wide position, and it it does change. It doesn't change manager to manager. Like most player care staff don't go with the manager. Um, so they had a vision of it, and then Ronald had a vision of it, and the players had a vision of it, but. Yeah, it was a lot of like kind of work stuff out. What's work, what's more important, and what are your priorities? And I think that's really hard in a role like that where you've got twenty five players, mm. you've got probably six or seven coaches. Everyone wants their thing done now. So in your mind, you've got to prioritize for them and for yourself, yeah. but also keep everyone happy and not disrespect people by saying, "Well, you're not playing. I'm not going to look after you," because you know how quick football changes. Yeah, yeah. There are players who I work with have never played, and then suddenly, and one injury later, they're starting and they're talking about getting called up for England so like <laughs> yeah. it, it's it's so you can never be like well I'm going to dismiss you it's not my job ever to judge the players on my thoughts on their ability my my football thoughts are irrelevant and so I just treat everybody the same and, and with respect can you give us some examples of what kind of jobs you would have been doing for players at that time yeah so a lot of it was was getting the sort of basics right because we had just it was just me by myself so a lot of them like they didn't have their bills set up or they would just, you know some of them yeah. were not in oh, really just houses as, yeah. yeah because I arrived in October so you think transfer window shuts end of <coughs> August so it had been sort of three four months we had players who were still in hotels or didn't have cars and it was the basic stuff that it's quite hard. I think people are always like, well, why can't they sort it themselves? But I think like, if you take, for example, Sadio Mane, for example, he arrived from us, from Red Bull, but via Senegal. If you or I moved to Senegal age 19 and were told to find a car or find a house, we'd have no idea where to yeah. start. So to expect them to come and do the reverse here, yeah. I think is unfair, but also, we're not under the pressure that they're under the, the, the visual scrutiny, the scrutiny and all of that. Exactly so that, yeah. it really makes sense when you have someone local who knows those not has that knowledge, has the connections, and, and also stops them getting taken advantage of because so many bad actors in this industry trying to get to these guys. And so a lot of my job is to try and stop that happening. So if I have to protect them from the people that are essentially after their money and their, their yeah. clout, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that a lot of the suppliers hate me, to be honest, because they would always say like, oh, well, we want a picture with the player in the car. I'm like, well, no, he's paying you. So yeah. that's a private transaction. Yeah. And he's like, no, the player loves it. And you're like, well, does he? Why would he want his car? Like, if we're playing badly and yeah. then a picture of him with a Lamborghini goes online, he's going to get battered. Yeah. So then I would say, right, we'll take it on the player's phone. If he texts it to you, you can use it. How many times do you ever do that? Zero. Yeah. Zero. So, but, it, but the players are awkward because they don't like saying no to stuff. And so they just go, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. But actually, that's where you need someone who's got a little you bit less in the no. game to say, yeah. sorry, guys, like, if you're giving him a free car and that's the agreement, then great, but you're not, you're charging him. Yeah. So therefore, he's not going to take a picture with that because that's worth X amount to the club, but also X amount to the player as well. Mm. So it's trying to be that person who can kind of take a step back and, and protect the guys and say mm. no to them and, and say no for them even. Yeah. So fast forwarding to West Ham, Yeah. what is different about that role to a player liaison officer? So I was head of player care at West Ham. They yeah. wanted me to build a department for the first time. So I, oh, wow. so I came from Southampton where I was just by myself and West Ham were like, we want to do this more, more seriously. So um, I had two assistants there. And so we recruited based on my weaknesses or what I perceive my weaknesses yeah. to be. So I don't really speak languages much. Um, nice. And then I, we had a, a lady, Emma, who was very administrative. So she would be really good at policies, procedures, paperwork. Um, then we had a young lad, Barney, who was trilingual, straight out of uni, um, got on with the younger players really well. And so the, by between the three of us, we were really, really like, we covered nearly everything. Yes. And rather than having three of me, yeah. you know, 
obviously I've got some talents, but like, yeah. you know, there's no point having three of me. So then that's where you start looking at like that, those levels of player care and saying, it's not just a tick box, which a lot of clubs say, you know, we've got it. Well, have you got someone who's really good at paperwork? Have you got someone who's really good at languages? Have you got someone who knows cars, who knows DIY? Like, you know, who's a good people person, good with families. There's so many different like talents. Yeah. And so it's really just not a, have we got it or have we not kind mm. of thing. I suppose you also need to be a, quite a trustworthy person as well. Yeah. Because if you're taking care of all these um, personal, personal and private information stuff from the, all these players, they need to know that they can trust you. Yeah. Um, how have you found that over the years? Like, have you found it easy to build trust with the players? Um, yes and no. I mean, football's such a small world that when I... I was really in, in, amazed, actually. When I joined West Ham from Southampton, the players knew of me already. Oh, really? Not, not That's cool. famous, but they had, like, called... You have a reputation mates, that But they'd message, yeah. like, their national team teammates who they played with, or, yeah. like, hey, what do you know about this guy? And so, I'm mean, hoping... Hope the feedback was positive from yeah. them. So they came and were like... Yeah, Hugo's a good guy, you can trust him. But still, you have to prove it. Yeah. And it's about like making those small incremental steps to begin with because a changing room is a very closed environment. There are people that they trust in there and they can relax. But if they don't, if they, someone walks into the room, into the dining room that they don't know, mm. they'll change the, you know, they go very yeah, like, yeah, 100%. Yeah, neutral, very like, oh, you know, you're almost in corporate mode. Yeah. So it takes a while to get that. And I remember my first day, um, I was sat in my office and I had the two assistants who were there before, they obviously had to trust the players. And a player walking in and going to talk to one of my assistants and was like, you know, shh, like, like whispered away yeah. from me so I couldn't hear it. And you're like, okay, cool, that's, it's fine. It's a private thing. It's day one. Yeah, it'll take that time. And it did. T- it did take time, but I think trust is something that takes years to build up, and it can take a second to lose. Yeah. And I think that's good really, quote. really. Da- yeah, it's not mine. It's yeah. I've seen that, yeah. I've seen yeah. it on a poster somewhere. <laughs> don't, 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 don't attribute that to me. Um, but it's true. And so you know, you got. I always think like. What could happen if this? And I got a great um, piece of advice from from one of my mentors. Um, actually, it was Les Reed, who was uh, the vice chairman of, of Southampton. And he said, if I ever called you and said, there's a big article coming on player care in the newspaper tomorrow, would you be excited or would you be worried? Mm. If you're worried, you're doing something wrong and you need to change what you're doing. Mm. If you're excited, that means you know, you're doing good work and you're excited for people to know about it then you're good. And so I always kind of thought about that, like with everything. So, you know, I was always very strongly like no commissions, no like freebies and everything like that. And sometimes it's even to my detriment, like I'd get sent wine at Christmas. You know how expensive it is to post wine back? Because it's (laughs) fragile and it's heavy. And I would spend a fortune every Christmas being like, no, the suppliers, we use the suppliers because they're the best and because we we have a good relationship with them, not because they're giving me free wine. I never wanted that assumption to be, well, I'm only doing it for something in my pocket. And so that's the kind of thing where like probably it didn't matter like no player's gonna be like well he's got a bottle of wine he's corrupt yeah but it's that even that assumption that, like even the coffee mugs like if we got a coffee mug from an accounting firm it would go in the bin or it would go back or whatever yeah. because i don't want there to be a problem with that accounting firm the player comes in and goes oh well here we go not that you're getting free coffee mug but, but yeah, you're yeah. in with them so this is why i'm getting screwed over kind of thing so. we're gonna keep ours by the way yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you get screwed over by me um, touching on, you know, obviously, uh, when you're talking about taking care of like the minor things so the players can focus on yeah. essentially just playing and obviously having that public scrutiny that they're yeah. always under. Yeah. Um, I noticed on your website you have a um, like a 10 minute video all about uh, does player care impact performance? Yeah. W- what's your opinion on that? Do you think it does? Yeah, I think it does. Um, and I think what we're trying to show to clubs now is this not just a thing where they're doing it to be nice to players like that is probably the old-fashioned way like well you know we want to be good people sure we do but actually not only does it impact performance where if you think about it think of all the different people that are at the training ground who are for the three hours a day they're at the training ground 
nutritionists, sports scientists, yeah. kit men, uh, video analysts, all these people, if the player is in a hotel with his wife and kids and not sleeping because the kids are crying for three months, it undermines all the marginal gains you're trying to make at the mm. pitch. So even if say, like, I can't say, well, he moved into a house one week earlier, he scored 10 more goals. I can't prove that and I would never try and say that. But actually to say, look at what it could be undermining. It doesn't matter if they have white rice or brown rice on their plate if he's only sleeping three hours a night. Yeah. So to actually say these are things we've got to get right straight away quickly, but also we don't want to do it so quickly that it's not right and they're moving house three times in their first season. So it's all these different things, but bear in mind some of these players have never been to England before. And so it's a cultural shift, you know, yeah. like when you go on holiday, it takes a couple of days for you to get comfortable, get where you know the surroundings, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so to imagine having to do that with everybody knowing who you are, especially in Southampton where it's a smaller town, you know, the, the signings are more recognized, but in London you can kind of disappear a bit. Yeah. But actually say you've got to hit the ground running, you've got to be fully comfortable, and people expect performances, you know, day one, especially in the January window where you might have a game the next day. Yeah. You know, look at Maitland Niles has gone to Roma. He plays yeah. straight away. Plays straight away. Yeah. Yeah. Probably doesn't speak Italian, or I'd be surprised if he <laughs> yeah, does. Yeah. I don't think he so, does, yeah. yeah. So then that's a lot of pressure to play with new teammates. How do you even say pass the ball? How do you ever say, <laughs> you know, man on? And that was something we would do is we'd teach them football specific English first because it's all great for them to be able to say, I'd like a lemonade. Yeah. But that doesn't help us day one on the pitch. So we'd have football specific English lessons first, then we'd move on to the sort of day to day stuff. So it's trying to just think about things in a different way rather than just be like, well, he should be playing harder or this. Yeah, sure. But like, let's actually try and put the, the tools in place to make it easier for them. Yeah. Now, Reevee McGee. Okay, we're both fit and healthy. You know, well, I've got the Ironman coming up, but the one thing I've always struggled with when training is the health side of it. I've always struggled. The diet. The diet. The diet. Exactly. I've always struggled mentally with the diet. And luckily for you lot and for us, our sponsor of today's episode is Noom. They are a psychological-based diet plan essentially noom empowers you with the knowledge and psychology to help build habits which are essential to continue along a good diet exactly now the beauty about noom is that no food is off limits you can basically keep eating all the foods that you enjoy on a regular basis but it's in a more structured way that you get the benefits. Yeah, mate. And literally, it doesn't take up hours of your day. Noom only asks for 10 minutes of your day to teach you about your eating habits and to make sure, you know, you can check in on your progress. So what do we have for the viewers, Revy? We have a link for you, ladies and gentlemen. That is noom.com forward slash pitch. And it takes you to a place where you can set up your trial with Noom and hopefully correct your eating habits in a way that is sustainable. That's right. That is noom.com slash pitch to set up your trial back on with the show. Um, so you spoke about uh, performance as in like on a physical standpoint. Do you yeah. think that the mental health side of football has had more light shed on it over the years? Have you witnessed the change yeah. in I mean, it, 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 it's still really, really tough. And, and I don't think any... I don't think any sport has really nailed the mental health piece. I think it's so hard because you're pushing people to their limits in terms of performance. And there's, I don't want to say there's not room for mental health, but like you can't just say, well, I'm going to take 12 months off for my mental health. Well, you can, but then your contract's being ripped up. Yeah. You're probably not going to get another one. So it's really hard to balance that that performance psychology. And I think that's where clubs put a lot of their their resource in the moment is performance psychology. So pushing people to their max. But what I want to try and do is more counseling. So if you're just feeling a little bit low and you need someone to talk to who's independent, we can have that, that resource for you. Care, right? But also in their own language, because 
I, I mean, I speak basic French, but I wouldn't want to do therapy <laughs> in French, you know. But to have that where it's actually like there's the human and the athlete, and then they're not separate, but they're also both considered. And I think that's where we need to be. But I don't think we've got to a point where a player can go to a manager and say, I'm feeling a bit, I don't think I'm up for playing this weekend. You know, imagine it's the sort of rele relegation six points at the end of the season and your star striker's like, I'm feeling a bit low, I don't mm. think I can play. Yeah, that's The fans wouldn't be happy with that. The club wouldn't be happy with that. And I think that's a really tough part that sport in general, not just football, is yeah, in. Yeah. And to find, find that right solution, I don't know that anyone's got that, to be honest. I feel like there's this tough balance going on right now between how much these players are getting paid to the other, that, that mental health side. For example, mm. with that, if a player their star striker comes to a manager yeah. and goes, I don't feel mentally right to play this weekend. Yeah. And the manager can turn around saying, well, we're paying you a hundred grand a week. Like you, you can't afford to be feeling like this. Yeah. I feel like people do forget that no matter how much you get paid, uh, you're still human and everyone, okay. and especially footballers as well, they're under more scrutiny than some, a lot of most people in the entire world. Yeah. I think people forget that they are just human and everyone do, does have these feelings. And I think that is a, big thing that needs to be improved in clubs yeah but i think you know it's it's really tough because you know they have different problems and, and I, you know i've worked with 140 players in my career they they none of them have to worry about who's going to put food on the table or how they're going to pay their rent that a lot yeah. of people have to go through but it's different problems it, it, it and it's it doesn't make it any harder or easier it is just different problems they have to deal with and i think part of the discussion is like how much of the foot money is almost blood money where it's like you need to just push through it like mm -hmm. you're getting paid a lot of money if you don't want to do it Go work on a building site, go join the army, go be a teacher, go, you know, do any other job that probably, I don't say teacher has less stress because I don't get, you know, but like, you know what I mean? Like do <laughs> yeah. a job that's not in the public eye yeah. and you're free to go and do that. But if you want to do this, you have to be a part of it. So what I would say is that my job and my department's job is to try and reduce the stresses as much as possible around mm. it. But we can never solve all these problems. We can never solve the social media abuse. We can never solve you know, someone walking down the street and getting abused or, you know, criticism or the family pressure. You could, I can't solve that. Yeah. We'll try and reduce the stress as much as possible. So it's one less thing they have to worry about. Yeah, I, it's fascinating, isn't it? I think as well, do you ever, because I saw a recent interview with, um, who's the Man City? Is it Cole Palmer? Cole no, Palmer is the Man City player. Man City player, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it sort of blew up online about how raw the interview was. I think the same goes with Ben Foster. His interviews are very raw. Do you ever help players with their media training or is that a specific job within the club? So they have a comms department who would help them department. with that. Um, and yeah, it, it's it's interesting because, you know, I think it's always, I always like looking back at old Twitter, you know, like <laughs> 2009 to 2013. Yeah. And, like, and you see the players like, they used to talk just like, you know, I mean, Victor Wanyama's tweets are the famous ones, you know, <laughs> yeah. about pa putting paranormal activity in and the Rooney bin. And well, right? Rooney as well, right? Yeah, Rooney. And, <laughs> yeah. and that was like, that was them unfiltered. But now they get jumped on if they say one thing out of place or get criticised. And I think like a lot of the times they're just they're so afraid of being having opinion having opinions that they just say nothing. Yeah. And like I find it quite boring to follow a lot of the players on account on on social media. I find it boring a lot of the interviews, and that's just the way it is because they say one thing interesting or they say one thing that's of note, and they get jumped on. I remember there was a, a player I worked with who I think came out that he played the guitar, and it was something he just did at home for a bit of fun. And it leaked online. I can't remember someone of his friends put it on Twitter or something like that, and it went viral that he was a guitar playing player. Yes. Then every time he was on Sky or BT or whatever, they thought, "Oh, can you play us a song?" Or this, this. and then it <laughs> oh, became God. something where like yeah. it was what he was known for. But it was actually it was his escape that then became a mainstream thing that everyone was like a performing monkey, like yeah. go and play for us. Yeah. And he's like, then he hated it now because 
he lost control of it. Yeah. And I think one of the most valuable things, I think, and this is what's changed in the last sort of five, six years, is that the top players really value privacy. And I think that is the thing, one thing that they can control. So like, if you look at some players, you might not know who their partners is, are, yeah. you might not know how many kids they've got, you might not know anything about their lives. And that's changed, I think, from 2009 to 2013, that kind of era where everything was like, put everything online, yeah. go for a coffee, put that online. Now it's like, you look at a lot of the social media accounts, they're very like manufactured. Yeah. Because the one thing they can control is the privacy of their families. Yeah. And so that's, I think, a big shift. And that's probably the last bastion where they go, I don't want anyone to know what my kid's name is because it's strange or because when having fans talk about my son or my daughter is very, very old mm. when they're five years old. So we're going to, you know, not post anything about them anywhere. And that's kind of that control that they can have. And I think that's, again, how football's changed in the last sort of four or five years. Yeah. It, is, it is slightly coming full circle a little bit in the terms of, you know, some of these England players that uh, are progressively putting more of their well, life Well, look at James out. Madison, for yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. Like the day in the life of his TikTok sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but okay, so that, a question for you then. Sorry, to, sorry no, to no, interrupt. Do you think that came across your well? Pod. Do you think that came across well? I, you watched that, were you like, that's quality? I think you can, uh, there's two perspectives on it. I think number one, you can say <clears> to him, look at, I feel like the American side of it would be like, look at this guy, look what he's achieved. Yeah. He's living the Amer American dream, obviously, in yeah. Britain. Yeah. Um, he should be so, so proud of himself. He's worked hard. Yeah. But I feel like the British side to look at that is look at this bellend yeah. boasting about <laughs> what um, he's got. Yeah. But I I don't well, view it like that. I, nation's perspective. No, but I'm just saying that I feel, I feel, like, that, I feel, like, I feel like that's very like, that's a very American view versus a very British yeah, view. Yeah. Yeah. Like, especially in England, like, I feel like a lot of people are if someone drives a nice I, car down the road in America, they go, well done, man. But in England, they go, look at that tosser. I think mm. the way that people viewed that is very self-reflective of how they yeah. feel about their own lives. If they think that he's done really well for himself and he's like he's he's deserved the success that he has, then people are quite accepting of it. But you, there's the the other side of the coin where it's that a certain element of jealousy that mm. why should you be flexing this when basically my ticket for your match pays I, your way. I I personally so, thought it was a really I I, I like cool. I like the insight. I I there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of content like mm. that that you get to see from football. To throw it back on you, if a player came to you with mm. this TikTok which Madison made, yeah. I would James, guess that you would... Don't do it! James. Yeah, would you be inclined to say don't post that just because you're scared of the backlash which could no, be no, caused I, 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 or not? I'm not going to tell a player, because I'm not a social media expert, so I don't tell a player yes or no, but what I would say is like, do you want to put your Lamborghini in that? Mm. I said maybe just put a picture of your driveway, or actually don't put a picture of your driveway because then it lets people know where you live, but yeah. like, be careful of it, but like, him putting the Lamborghini in there, for me, me watching that as a neutral person who has no, never met James, was like, ooh, like, you, it's a bit flashy, it's a bit showy off, and like, that, that for me is not how I am, mm. personally, and I think I struggle when they're just showing off for the sake of showing off, like, they earn good money, there's no reason they shouldn't have a Lamborghini, but to just like dangle it in front of people, mm. I, I, for me, I, I wouldn't, I would say, look, do you wanna think twice about that? But I'm never gonna tell a player they can't, then they, they're adults, they don't have to listen to me, if they said, what do you think? I would give my advice. But for me, I watched that. I was interested at the training ground because yeah. like I've worked at help, you know, I've worked at three training grounds, but try and develop it, make it better. And Leicester's is one of the best. So I was looking at that, I was like, wow, that is seriously yeah. yeah. Because you do come to West Ham and it's it's not quite like that. But that's um, what I mean. Like you watched it and you took what- I took bits you, out of it. Yeah, from your yeah. own life and perspective yeah. of what you wanted to see, right? But, but the fact that even a day in the life is it somewhat, somewhat not even controversial, but something we're talking about. Yeah means that that's how difficult it is for them to be Absolutely. human and people. Yeah. Because I don't like the fact that he showed off his car. 
but he's people been, don't mind it. But he's yeah, been completely authentic, right? Yeah, 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 that is his if life. If you took a Peugeot 206, you know, an 07 plate 206, yeah. to train it, you'd be like, well, what are you doing there? That's not your car. Why are you driving that? It's funny how that works, that if he'd have had a worse car, you, you'd expect him to receive some sort of criticism like, like well you're earning so much money why don't you get yeah, a better car yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't escape yeah, there the, is no there's arguably no win absolutely. for them yeah, yeah. I d the one thing I did like actually because uh, again it could be two different opinions on it I saw James was posting about his new his garden yeah. and I've seen his garden quite a lot of he's got a full left side goal and everything like that and I look at that and I'm like oh my god I, I like your wet dream. Uh, yeah, quite literally. Like I, that's actually quite inspiring to me. Yeah, but I can see how some people be like, "Look, he's just showing off." But I would also say security concern. If you're now alerting people that if they find a garden with a goal in it, yeah. they can take a picture. They can look at your social media mm. and compare it yeah. to your house. So that would be from a player. I don't care if he's got a goal or not. My concern then is. There are a lot of players getting robbed at the moment. A lot of players, like, yeah. All you're doing is making it easier for people to find out where you live. That's dangerous for you and your family, especially someone like him who is showing off that he's got a Lamborghini, which probably means he's got watches, which probably means he's got valuable stuff in his house. I think they were in that picture. Yeah, they were. They were. Yeah, okay. Literally showing where they are. So, yeah. so, so, so that, that, that would be where I'd say mm. this is stupid. But it's difficult. It, it, there's no easy, there's I mean, no easy answer. I remember talking to a player once... Um, and at half time, mm. their phone was going off like crazy. Mm. Um, and obviously, you're not really, you're not no, meant to, no, not meant to no, chuck no, it. But, be, you'd be in real trouble doing that. But uh, he was like, shit, I just have to check it. Yeah. Turns out his it was his house alarm going off right. and he was getting robbed at half time. Really? And he had to go get the police to go around. But I just yeah. imagine, like, imagine knowing you're going into the second half, knowing that your house is currently getting robbed. Yeah. Like, and that's just little things that may be going on behind the scenes that the public may not be it's aware interesting of. interesting yeah. that you've brought it up. Um, would you have to sort that out if that did occur? Yeah, so, I mean, that would be something where, I mean, we, we always, I mean, most of the players switch their phones off during the game, like an hour before the game anyway. Mm. But yeah, that would be something where I would say, leave it with me, we'll get a security guard to go around, I'll call the police. Like, again, if I've got more staff, like at West Ham, I could dispatch one of Delegate them to go it, and yeah. sort it out. But like, yeah, we've had players get robbed before where, um, a lot, and it's easy because they can check if they're at home by turning on TV and saying Monday Night Football <laughs> yeah, okay, right that lamp's on the pitch it's not at home <laughs> yeah. so probably we're going to be okay yeah. so I probably had maybe four or five burglaries in my, my eight years really? in, in the clubs but you go in there and like for me it was always a priority of like make sure they're safe but then get them out of that scene as quickly as possible do them do the, what they have to do with the police but let's put them straight in a hotel yeah. let's let, make sure that they are ready for training the next day, ready for the match the next day. And if I have to stay till 6 a.m., getting a door put on, or new windows put on, or whatever it is, that's fine, that's my job. If I'm tired the next day, it's not as important as if that player can't yeah, train. Yeah, 100%. So get it in, get them secured, find out what's missing, go through the insurance, but probably they'll move. If they're renting, they'll just move. Yeah. Once you've had, I mean, I don't know if you've yeah, been, but it's, it's horrible. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a horrible feeling. So, but it's trying to make that like, that's fine, we'll deal with that. And, and it's that calm voice on the end of the phone because Again, like I was on call 24 hours during these eight years. And I can't say I had more than maybe 10 emergency calls in those eight years. But the feeling that, that they know that 24 hours a day, they can call me and I know them and I'll have a solution, an answer. And sometimes I'd be like, three in the morning, you're waking up and like, my dad's not breathing. Oh, shit. And you're like, what, what do I do? Like, like, yeah. but, but on the phone, you gotta be like, no problem. You know, the nearest that hospital is this. Call 999, I'll meet you there. We'll do the paperwork and all that. Now. That's me, and then I put the phone. Down. I'm like, oh my, oh my god, what, what am I going to do? Yeah. But over the phone, you're that calm. Yeah. You're that reassuring voice that actually goes, it's going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to look after you. It'll be fine. You go there. You sit, and I, that happened once. And I just sat with the player for like four hours, 
I, mean, I think we either watched something on like Netflix or mm. we just chatted about nothing, them, nothing about family, nothing about football. And by doing that, the bond to the player and the club or the bond to you and the player is so much greater because yeah. in those times of peril or, or need, that's if you don't react well, you can lose that trust. So for me, those are the kind of moments that kind of all the rest of it is is extra. Mm. That is where you really need to be able to respond. And if your phone doesn't ring or you don't answer or you yeah. give bad advice, that can be really, really difficult. But even a player you know, has a car crash and they go and they call you and you don't answer, then they drive away from the scene. That's now a very different kettle of fish mm. from a genuine accident to a hit and run. Yeah. That could be jail time. That could be you know, yeah. the end of that player's career because you haven't answered your phone. And okay, you say, well, they need to take responsibility, sure. But actually, that's kind of part of my role is to, to give them that advice and say, listen, sit there, lock your doors, don't talk to anybody. The police are on their way. Yeah. I'll come down there and we'll deal with it. Don't worry about it. You know? What's that like for you personally? Obviously, you, I didn't know you were on call 24-7. Yeah, it's yeah. just like a... Yeah, that was one of our questions, right? <laughs> what are your working hours? So yeah, like on call 24-7. And knowing that for a lot of these players, you are their first call mm. yeah. in any scenario. Yeah. What's that like for you? Just the relentlessness of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I burnt out. Like, yeah. by the time I, by the time I left West Ham, I, you know, I was, I was, I kind of knew I was coming to the end of it. I think it's a young man's game, to be honest, because yeah. it's just really nice. You're also, I also travel to every game home and away, like pre-season, because I ran the trips operationally. So you're just always going 42 weekends a year, you know. Um, what I would try and get to the players is like between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. You could text me for anything. Outside that time, it better be an emergency. And I'd say, you can WhatsApp me. My phone will go on do not disturb at 7 p.m. Yeah. You can WhatsApp me and I'll deal with it when I can. But if it's an emergency, call me. Yeah. And once you get to that level of respect where they're like, okay, fine. I remember a player called me at three in the morning and he was like, Hugo, I forgot to pay my parking. And I'm like, how dare you call me at three in the morning for <laughs> yeah. bloody parking? Yeah. And I pulled him the next day and I was like, don't you ever do that again because yeah. I'm here for an emergency. You woke me up in the middle of the night because yeah. you've forgotten bloody part. And he was Probably like, Probably oh. a panic gone through your head as well at 3 a.m. Yeah, like, so that's a mind because yeah. you, know, you get a surgery general and then you can't sleep because you're yeah. like, it could be an emergency. And it was just, he didn't put, and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I was watching TV. I forgot the time. And so that's the point where you go, that's not good enough. Yeah. You cannot come to me and you can't be a doormat in this role. Yeah. You've got to go, listen, that's disrespectful to me. And he apologized and it didn't happen again. Yeah. But that's the kind of thing where. I was ready to go for an emergency. I couldn't sleep for three hours, you know, because you just get that. Yeah, yeah you get, you, it's a panic but sets in, isn't it? To have that responsibility for, for the players. I mean, I would get probably three weeks off in the summer and I would try, if I could, to delegate it. You know, I'd have my guys take their annual leave during the season. I would take my guys. Yeah. And you slowly just feel that pressure. But I remember that the, both times when I, le when I left Southampton and West Ham, you drive out the training ground for the last time, you don't have your work phone and it's just like... <sighs> really? Like genuine, like, yeah. like I can breathe. Um... And I, like, I still get it where like my phone will, I hear like phantom ringing of my phone. <laughs> yeah. And I'll be like, what, what emergency? Yeah. Or I'll see a player calling me now and I'm like, and I'm like, oh no, I, I don't, like I can answer it if I'm free, but mm. I don't have to jump to it because yeah. I'm not yeah. responsible for them. But you know, I, I'm sure there's a real issue with, I mean, all staff, all backroom staff, I think they, they get pushed and pushed and pushed and like more games and Europa League especially and, and all of that pre-season's really, really tough. And it's not an easy job. Mm. But it's a job that actually I never had one day where I didn't want to go to work. Yeah. And yeah. I think to have that is brilliant. You know, you, yeah. you can't ask more than that. So massive pressure, massive responsibility. But, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Obviously, you left West Ham to set up your own yeah. company. Mm -hmm. Did you take a break in between or were you setting up during the end of your West Ham time? 
Um, so I knew I had three months notice at West Ham. So I gave them my notice. I kind of I decided that I was gonna do this. So I'd kind of done little bits in the background, but yeah. nothing really. I had, I had a domain name and a company registered, but it was I hadn't really done anything. Um, we were supposed to do it where I'd work my three months notice and not say anything to the players or the club. Yeah. And then, like, with three weeks to go, just let them know. Because work a three-month note period is a long time, especially yeah. in football. And then, within three days, it leaked on Twitter that I was leaving, which really? I didn't think was a big enough thing. But I, I was at dinner one night, and suddenly it was like, you know, my phone's, like, blowing. I'm like, my social media is pretty quiet. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, what's happening here? And it's like, Hugo's quit. And then it was like, he's not happy with the club's direction. And I was like, genuinely not true. Like, I was yeah, ready for yeah. a break. Like, I wanted to do my own thing. And so then we had to then suddenly move very quickly and tell the players and tell, you know, make it more official and post the job and stuff. So then I got kind of, but then it was like, well, what are you doing now? Why are you leaving? And because I didn't have the website ready and the company ready, I was kind of like, oh, wait and see. And then it looked like I was getting fired <laughs> because I was just leaving a, a good job in the middle of the season. <laughs> no, to guys, nothing. Yeah. And I'm like, because I thought I had two months to get it ready. So then suddenly, you know, we put the website up and it was, but it was fine. Like it was, it was fine. The idea was I was supposed to go traveling for the first three months and then just like because I never had a gap year I never did yeah. any of that then the, we got into lockdown so oh, I quit on the my timing last, my last day was on Christmas Eve 2019 and I was supposed to go travelling January, February 2020 and obviously I didn't so oh, uh, sorry no, 2021 even yeah, so yeah. it was like yeah it, it was just like I was supposed to have three months off and I didn't so then I was kind of working on the website but we're not really pushing it and so we got we finished our first year uh, about a couple of weeks ago so yeah it, it's it's certainly not 24 hours a day. It's certainly not even seven days a week or six days a week or even five days a week, but it's great for me. It, it's really going well and, and I enjoy it, but it's it's definitely a step back for me in allowing to yeah. enjoy work-life balance a little bit. Better. Yeah, exactly. Do you, still, do you still work with clubs? Yeah, so the business has basically two sides. It's consulting, which yeah. so I would go and help them improve what they do internally. So either work with the staff or help them recruit their first staff, putting policies and procedures, but I'm not the person on call. So they have somebody, I, I would help that person who's, there yeah. but I'm not I don't work with players directly and then we do educational courses so online stuff that if people want to either learn about it or, or you know become a player liaison or even just adapt their business or learn more about it we do online courses so yes I still work with clubs but it's not on the same capacity where I'm on call it's like what would you do in this scenario okay I can chat you through what we could do yeah. but it's not Hugo sort this out right now which is great yeah. I s sorry I see that you do qualifications and certificates on your website under the branch of the company. Yeah. Do you have any notable like graduates that are currently working at big clubs now? Or? Yeah. So we've had, I think it's in the last count, it's it's fourteen people who've done the course wow. working roles in football full time in, in various guises. Um, Do you help to get them job opportunities at specific? Clubs? So what we do is they're part of the alumni group. They get I post every job opportunity I see. I post it in the alumni group so okay. they get access to it. And then I'll help them with their application. And sometimes clubs will say, "Who do you know in this role?" And I'll inevitably yeah. recommend one of my graduates so I love it when people get jobs it, it's such a rewarding thing especially yeah. when you know we had one guy who was working at Domino's and now he works full time at a club and like I'm not saying it's just because of my course but like which that doesn't really happen are you allowed to say which club he's at uh, I, I didn't ask him if I could say okay. it so I, I won't All right, uh, I won't but like you know We've got people in the top clubs in the country, and I think like, but that's also awesome. people abroad and all of that, and that's really exciting that this is being seen. It's not a qualification as such because it hasn't gone through that vetting process. It's just a certificate of knowledge, and yeah. it's access to me and to other teachers who work in player care, and yeah, it's been really good, and I, I enjoy helping people because like, it doesn't really exist. There's no standards. There's mm -hmm. no qualifications around. So you know, I like to do it. Do you still find players are still, even though they're not meant to, are they still coming to you for advice, for help? Just because it's like a, 
Your friends, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is the thing. And they're so, probably used to just cult giving you a ring. Yeah. So when I left Southampton, they didn't replace me immediately. And there was, a, I mean, it was a substantial period where there was nobody doing the role. And I had players. Well, first of all, they were like, how can you leave? I thought we were friends. I'm like, you you do know I'm paid to be. Like, <laughs> I appreciate that, that vote of confidence, but like, this is not my life dream. How could you break up with like, me? Like, yeah, yeah. So it was like, but, but when we're going to, and I remember there was a player who called me, I was, I was probably three months in West Ham and he was like, my property, my lease is expiring. I don't know what to do. I'm going to be homeless. We're a different club. Can, can you come down? I'm like, we're battling you for relegation. Like, no <laughs> you're my enemy <laughs> you're not my enemy but like, you know, like I'm like no I can't I, I'm paid by West Ham to look up their players and he's like can you take a day off I'll pay you and I'm like it's not that fact it's the fact that I work very hard to be mm. West Ham to win and then I can't just say well I'm going to pop down and help a West Ham so I said look here's some estate agent contacts from Southampton message them they can sort you out and I, I'm not going to be like I'm going to be a dick and be like no screw you yeah. but I can't also just be like popping around doing little bits for players now I've had some players who still speak to me who are like what do you think about this? Or like, not can you do it, but like, I'm thinking about doing this house deal. Bit of an advice think? kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, And I'm yeah. more than happy to do that and stay in touch. But I think football is like any work environment. Like you've probably worked at places where you keep in touch with 5%, 10% of your colleagues, but most yeah. of them are like, you never see them again. And that's the same with football, you know, like football's even more transient, I think, where people just move on to the next one. You know, you, mm. you're done with them. Like, okay, who's the new Hugo? Right, this guy's a new Hugo. All right, fine. Don't need to worry about Hugo anymore. And some players are more chatty than others and more friendly than others, but it's like any workplace, I think, really. Do you know, like, when the inception of player care began? Because, um, as you said before, it was like player liaison officer. When, when. So this is a, this an area of contention player. within the player care community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that's what I'm. Don't want to get the player care haters. No, um, no one cares that much. Um, <laughs> there's two people I think who claim to be the number one. So it was Lorna McClelland at Aston Villa. I think she was like 2000. Um, oh, really? That yeah. far back? Yeah, yeah. So wow. She was brilliant. She's she's retired now, but she. She was like a languages teacher and she was really, really like a motherly figure to players. Um, and then there was a guy, Bill Ellaby at Everton, who I think he was there maybe before Lorna, but his role wasn't like, like yeah. this is your role. It was kind of like he was a guy to help out. Yeah. And so whether Bill or Lorna were the first, I don't know. But Everton and Aston Villa were the two clubs to sort of have somebody in an actual mm. role first. But Man City were the first to go with... Those were both player liaisons, player care, as we kind of spoke about at the beginning of yeah. this proactive thing. Man City were the first. There was okay. like Hayden Roberts, who I think 2009, I think he set up that department. And that was, you know, revolutionary to anyone anything that anyone's ever seen. I based a lot of what I did on, on what he did. Um, and that was the first club to go, we're going to put real resource and real money and real thinking into this. And so Man City would be the first sort of modern player care club. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that, uh, we've got down a story um, about one of the players you have worked quite w closely with, and that was okay. Van Dyke at okay. Southampton. Yeah. Um, and he was saying that he would like trust his life with you. Um, how do you think your relationship with players have changed since then, or ha have they changed since then? I think, I think if I'm if I'm critical of myself, I was too close to the players at Southampton, yeah. too friendly, and I think it's really difficult because I moved to Southampton from Indianapolis. I lived in America for the last five years. I don't know people in Southampton. Like I was moving there like them. Mm. I had no connections to Southampton as an area or as a club. And so I found it quite lonely as well. You know, and I think being a footballer is really lonely because yeah. you're always questioning why are people friendly with to you? If someone sees you in a bar and says, Oh, what are you doing? Do they is it because they know that you can maybe get them tickets, money, yeah. boots, <laughs> shirts, whatever, or are they genuinely a nice person? Same with dating, is you know, it's all very difficult. And so 
I know that when I was at Southampton, I found it quite lonely. So a lot of the players were also lonely. So you'd you'd go for dinner and you'd hang out and all that. And I think there were times certainly where I got caught in the middle because there'd be an issue between the player and the club. And they'd go, well, Hugo, can you sort this out? And I'm like, I can't because the club's my employer. Yeah. And I need to be really careful about getting that balance right between club and player needs. And so when I went to West Ham, I made a conscious effort that like, I'm not going to be friends with anyone from work, be friendly, be supportive. You know, if we're on a work trip, happy to have a you know a glass of wine with a member of staff or a coffee with a player. And we were very close, yeah. but there was never that cross of boundary. I wasn't going to the birthday parties. I wasn't going to nights out. Yeah. I wasn't hanging around their houses. Like I had my own friends. And that made it very much easier to be professional, still warm and supportive, but professional. Yeah. And I think that's a mistake I made at, at Southampton where I got too personally invested with the players and their families and maybe wasn't able to be like fair. Mm. Or, or, and then when players would leave, and I, I think it's happened to every player care member staff, the first player you're really close to who leaves, it does feel like a breakup because <laughs> it's somebody that you're like seeing every day, they're messaging yeah. all the time. Yeah. And like for me, especially when I was younger, hanging out with them, know mm. their family, know their partner, know their kids, know their parents, know the alarm codes in the house. And suddenly it's just like gone. Yeah. And he's and he, out of your life forever. And, and then yeah. like you message them a little bit, but there's no need. So then it, it tails off into a yeah. point where you don't even really speak to that person. And it's like, it's quite harsh because it's, I mean, transfers can happen in hours, you know? Like, so. I think by, by being less personally invested, it made me a better player care professional. But it's really hard to get that balance between not being cold and not being disinterested, but also being professional. And I think that's probably one of the best skills a player care person can have is, is to have that, that ability to balance both needs. Sounds very uh, pertinent to how doctors act, really. So it sounds quite medicinal. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a lot of confidentiality, you know, and, yeah. and there's always a question of what does the club need to know? Because the club would probably say, oh, I want to know everything about every player. Well, actually, that's not good for the player. It's not good for the club. But there'll be things where, like, if he's broken up with, if his wife's left him, that's not a club matter, but it would be good for the manager to be aware of it with the player's permission to say, listen, this player's going through mm. massive emotional trauma. Just be wary. If he's a little bit off in training today, just be aware of it. And the manager can deal with it either directly, not mention it, be aggressive with him. Whatever the manager wants to do is the manager's prerogative. But to give the manager all the information he needs to make the right decision, I think is really important. Yeah. But it's always got to be with the player's consent because you can't just go chatting around about, well, this player's left his wife and this one's doing yeah. it. It's not my business and I want them to be tr to trust me. Yeah. But there are always times you have to go, listen, I can't keep this a secret. I need to speak to the club. And with the players buying it would it would be fine with the relationship thing i'm guessing that when you are obviously uh doing these courses with people who want to move into this into this profession i'm guessing that's one of the priorities is you need to train these guys not to get too close to the players so i'm guessing a lot of these guys that come and want to work in these types of roles they they may have this pre-thought of oh, i'm going to be best mates of all these footballers yeah. but it's not really like that is it it's no. more of a you are there to do a job not to be friends with yeah you, Ronaldo. <laughs> that's what I mean as well. Um, do, do you have to vet the people that take the qualifications with you in case they have entered into it with the wrong intentions? No. So, the, the, I mean, the course anyone can sign up to. So it, it's, it's online and it's available. Okay. But what we talk about a lot is there's a session on like careers and personal development. And one of the conversations is, is a fan versus a professional. Yeah. And like, so I'll look them up on social media or, or you know, just Google them a little bit. And I've had people who've applied for jobs at me at West Ham, and then they've had 
anti-owner sentiments in their bios. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I can't possibly hire yeah, you because yeah. I can't have Karen Brady at the training ground and you're like, you know, yeah. like, like, ridiculous. You know, and, and that's where I think I always say to people, don't work at the club you love because it's either can be really disappointing or it can be really hard to be a professional. And so we've had a number of people, and I think because my following online is mostly Southampton West Ham fans, yeah. I get a higher number of West Ham and Southampton fans coming through, but I would say to them, like, it's best off working elsewhere. Yeah. Because you want to be a professional. And, like, I don't, like, I supported Everton when I was a kid. I don't care, like, oh, now. Like, I, 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 I would never want, I work so hard for both Southampton and West Ham that I would never want us to, us as in the club I work for, lose to a club that I supported as a kid. Because, all my work and all my effort and every and even my financial re- rewards yeah. are down to West Ham or Southampton doing well. So the thought I'd like, yeah, I really want us to lose today is irrelevant. And I think you become this kind of like person who just like, I'm not a football fan anymore. I used to be a massive football fan in America. I would wake up early and watch the five games in a row <laughs> on Saturdays. Yeah. I'd play a football manager. I'd play, you know, I'd coaching two, two teams at the same time. I'd read the magazines and all this. Now I'm like... I don't enjoy football from a fan's point of view. I don't go to away match. I don't go to matches, really. I get invited all the time. I, like, just not interested. Yeah. And I don't watch the football on the weekend. I think this is a really fun thing to do. I like watching Formula One or I like watching <laughs> yeah. else, you know, <laughs> anything where but it, where it's yeah, basically anything but football. Yeah. Because if I watch football, it feels like I'm working. Yeah. And I think that's what I try and say to people. is like, if you want this to be your... If, if football is your escape, that's fine to keep it as your escape. But if you work in it, it probably won't be your escape for much yeah. longer. And I think that's what I didn't really take into account when I started doing this is that I didn't have an escape for a number of years because football was work. And even like, I love Football Manager. I, that's how I got first into football. And I've been playing Football Manager and I appeared as the West Ham player. Like if you play for West Ham, <laughs> I'm not a character you can sign, but like yeah. it comes up with like, I don't know. Well, Mark Noble's, in the game. In the, yeah, Mark Noble's unhappy. Hugo Schechter's popped up. Mark Noble's unhappy. And I'm like, this feels too much like work. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So I, I was like, well, this player's unhappy. And I'm like, oh, no, you know what? I'm not going to play this anymore. And like, I love football manager. That's, and like, that's great. And it's like, when you're, when you're annoying yourself. And, like, and then I get people messaging me like, why do you keep saying Declan Rice? Was, you're unhappy? And I'm like, it's not me, obviously. Like, yeah. like, my face is like auto generated. It's like yourself is telling yourself off in the game. Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't notice that it's the same person. So, you know, but that, that for me is like, I used to love football manager or championship manager back in the day and like now I, I wouldn't really play that much so like it's it's these little things where actually mm. you can say boohoo you know like you've got a great job sure and so like that's why I'm happy with it but if you're a fan and a diehard fan I would say stay being a fan that's great and that's your you know enjoy your football as a fan but when you're in in uh working in the game then you have to change your perspective you can't be emotional you can't be angry you can't be you know, yeah. if we lose six nil, I can't be in the change room throwing stuff around and you wanker and this and yeah, the job. My comes job first, is right. like to make sure that everything is, is sorted and, and whatever and support the players. If they lost six nil, they're gonna be upset. Probably some of them are gonna make mistakes, they're gonna get abuse. Let's sort that out rather than being like throwing stuff around the change room. So how was the how was this summer for you? Watching England and the Euros. Could could, could you enjoy that as a fan? <laughs> I did, I did. Yeah, yeah I mean um, <laughs> yeah, it was the first tournament I think probably since twenty twelve. <laughs> that I had not been working. Yeah. And so I enjoyed it. And, and I, 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 yeah. Until. <laughs> it, I, I enjoyed it. And I, I went to the semi and the final, actually. And Oh, nice. But actually, yes. those are the games I, I, yeah. I enjoyed the least because I was there. And it, like the enjoyment for me was watching the group stages with a group of friends, mm. going yeah. to the pub. Yeah. Um, whether that was in lockdown rules or not, I, I, we'll uh, say it was. It was the year, right? We'll say it was, <laughs> but, you know, uh, whatever. We keep going, as Boris would say. Um, so uh, we, we, you know, we, what we do is we just... I enjoyed that as from the social element of it. I'd never been 
able to go to a pub and watch England and, and like, you know, just have a good time. Yeah. Going to the game, then it felt like work because I was like traveling to the game. And I got there like, I remember when I went to, the only game I've been to since I left Premier League game, Southampton, West Ham, like the Schechter Derby as nobody calls it. Um, <laughs> so I, went, I, I went down to St. Mary's and I arrived three hours before the game like I would normally. And I'm like, why, why the hell am I here three hours? Yeah. I have nothing to do. Like yeah. the players aren't even here. Like I have no, no work. <laughs> but in my mind, I was like, no, I need to be there three hours. And I was just like kicking around Southampton, just, which and Southampton around St Mary's, there's nothing there. Yeah. So then I was just like, I'm just in like an industrial state. Like, just like what do I do now? This is really bad. <laughs> and I actually did, really did not enjoy the game. I was appreciative that they helped me out, sort me out of ticket and stuff. But like, I went there and I was like, I don't need to do that again. Like, yeah. I used to go on the team bus into the stadium, into the change room, get a cup of coffee or whatever, then go sit behind the bench, watch the game, then fly back on the private plane. Yeah. And now I'm like. I've got to pay to drive down there, be on the train, park miles away, <laughs> sit in the stand. Like I was like, there's no enjoyment for me in that. So I, I don't really go to football anymore. Actually, that is one thing, actually, because I know people always say, oh, footballers are so lucky that they travel the world and see all these different places. But really, really, they're not actually seeing the places they're going to, are they? They're, yeah. Say, for example, they go to some amazing city in Europe. They're private jet there. Yep. Straight into a team bus, straight into a hotel, lockdown, yeah. match, yep. hotel, bus, back. Yep. Did you get a chance to see anywhere you traveled no, to? No, I mean, we, we, did Europe, I did Europe for two seasons with Southampton. And we did, I mean, our group stage was Inter Milan, Sparta Prague, and Hapwell Bayar Sheva, which is in Israel. <laughs> and I remember, like, never been to Israel, never been to Prague. I'd, I'd been to Italy. But, like, I didn't see any of it. Like, I would go a day ahead of the team to set up the hotel in that, when that was my role at that time. But... I can't say I've seen Israel. Like we flew into yeah. Tel Aviv airport, we drove an hour or so to Beersheba. We stayed in this tiny little town, and like it was an experience. But I wouldn't say I, I know the country. And like, yeah, we go, you know, hotel. You go to the stadium to train. You go back to the hotel. You're not seeing the place. You, you, it's just a hotel room. And whether you're yeah. in Burnley, you're in, you know, New York, whatever. Unless the manager says go have some days off, which he won't do in the Europa League game. Yeah, you know, you're not seeing anything. So like. I don't think I've seen, I don't count myself as having been to Israel, even though I've been there. Yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. <laughs> Is that definitely something you want to do at some point in the future, though? Get your a gap year in, so to speak. Sure. Well, that's what you're supposed to have. Yeah, sure, I yeah. Know. I mean, like, I've actually signed up to do um, coaching in Mauritius. Um, that's cool. And I was now like, there's cool. two months of that, and like, it's like three hours a day, and you, you, you pay, but it's very little money, and they give you accommodation. You And I was like, it seems like pretty easy, but yeah. Mauritius, beautiful, beaches. Yeah. I'm just going to chill out completely. And so I probably would love to do that again in the future. Whether I'll be able to just stop my business for two or three months to go mm. and do that, I, I don't know. But don't know. yeah, maybe. So I, for me, I want to make player care better. I want to improve standards across the across the clubs. Um, I want to make sure that players are getting looked after better. But also it's being thought about properly. So a lot of the time I'm speaking with directors of football to say, you know, have you thought about this? Or is this a way you could do things better? So for me, I just want to be the forefront of player care, obviously make some money to live on, um, which I've been able to do so far. So yeah, I think just improve player care because I actually am genuinely passionate about it. It's not, I'm not in it for yeah. the money. I, you know, if I wanted to make the money, I could probably sell my soul a little bit to banks or insurance yeah. companies who yeah. want me to promote it, but I don't. And I think that's really important to try and be, you know, the best you can be and improve something and leave my mark on it. The Sherlock Holmes of player care independent consultant Sherlock Holmes I, I haven't heard that one before but That's sure good, we'll, right? we'll, we'll go with that we'll yeah. go, I'll put it on the, on the, on now, the website now obviously you've, you've been in the game was it 10 or so years yeah you must have been asked to do some out outlandish some crazy things I mean I for example I remember being at Arsenal a couple of years ago yeah. being in reception I and I overheard a conversation from I'm assuming it's going to be the player liaison officer I won't say yeah. who it's about or anything yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. 
but it, he was on the phone with one of the person who works at the club um, and their wife had crashed their car mm-hmm. and he was trying to sort out a crash. Yeah. Um, so is there anything like that has happened? Like what, what would you say, that, obviously without naming names or anything yeah, like yeah, that, what's yeah. the craziest thing you've ever been asked to do? I mean, I think the first thing I would preface it is that if it's important to the player, it should be important to me. And yeah. like, even if it's, maybe I think it's a bit silly or a bit ridiculous, yeah. like it might be really important to them. And if they're worrying about the day before a game, um, then it's probably something that we need to take care of. So I guess the, the, the example that I actually teach with is um, I had a player who'd forgotten his wife's birthday and she was abroad oh, in the, I guess it would be Far East, so Japan, Hong Kong, something like that. I can't remember where exactly she was. And it was like two days before he's like, I completely forgot her birthday. What can I do? And so I said, oh, give me a couple of minutes. And he wanted to get this handbag from London and, and get it to her. So I was like, okay, well, give me, give me, give me a couple of minutes. I'll give you some options. And I said, right, I've got three options for you. Number one, you call her and apologize. And you say, there's a lovely handbag waiting for you when you get back. Yeah. Option two is we like FedEx it, post it, whatever. Yeah. It might cost 500 quid to get that quickly. I can't guarantee it right, maybe it's stuck in customs, but there's that. Or I'll get an intern or, or somebody, I'll put them on the next flight to Tokyo for the <laughs> sake of argument. Direct flight, um, they'll go there, on, you'll be there for your wife's birthday, knock on the door of her thing in the morning and deliver the bag and say it's from you. That, you know, we've got free, we've got, 300 quid and we've got probably seven or eight grand yeah which one do you think he picked the seven eight grand that's that you saying the same oh no oh. no oh no well three one we can't go the same i don't know right, I'll, I'll, go, to, I'll go high you go low okay it's I'll gonna go be low. the middle one isn't it yeah <laughs> what? i'll go i'll go free you're going free and you're i'm gonna one. go the eight grand one. yeah you pick the free one you pick the free one. but the thing is what i'm saying is matt is i've given him three options i've yeah. never said no it can't be done because if he says no it can't be done then the security guard or whoever someone hears it and go you know what i can do that for 15 grand it mm. costs eight so yeah, that yeah. guy just made seven grand off yeah, him. Yeah. So I'm going, and it's always this no dot, 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 but. Like, no, we can't do that, but here are some solutions. And it's not from, like, if either of you got partners, if you forgot their birthday, how much would you pay for them not to realize that you forgot their birthday? Mm. A day's salary? Sure, but that's eight grand in, that, in his case. Yeah. It might be a couple hundred quid or 50 quid or whatever it is for yeah. different people. But you think about that, not in terms of the overall spend of money, but the relative to them, those it's were three worth, good solutions. Yeah. And actually by saying, these are three solutions, he's picked the, in my mind, the right one. And it was fine, it was great. But by saying, he, these are possibilities for you that are all legal and they're possible, you could be creative because money's not normally the constrictor. Yeah. Yeah. You're solving problems of in a course. better way. So I, I love that kind of thing where there's like a logistical challenge where you've got to try and sort it out and, and be creative because money isn't your, your restricting factor. I told you, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that was the... Craziest thing you've been asked to do I then? I mean, craziest thing I've had. Um, what have I had? I had a player who didn't have a dining room table on Christmas Day and his, his mother-in-law was coming. And <laughs> oh, that is such an awkward scenario. So, though. How, how a, mother, much, a mother-in-law coming over. Yeah, he, he's like, I don't have enough to eat Christmas dinner. Oh, and how I, much time had you d- been given to solve that? I got Christmas oh, on Eve. Christmas, Christmas oh, wow. Eve, I got, it was about 10 o'clock at night <gasps> and he's like, I need a table for tomorrow morning. Well, Obviously, in the UK, nothing's open Nothing, on Christmas yeah. Day. So I remember we drove around New Forest. I, I hired a driver to drive around, the, um, drive around the area and basically knock on independent furniture shops where they hopefully like, lived above yeah. wow. and just say, look, how, we'll pay you triple if you'll open the shop and give us this and deliver it today yeah. or whatever. And we did it, you know, and, and that was, oh, and, then it, and then he's like, I kid. don't really like the table. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you are <laughs> eating <laughs> Christmas dinner on that table. trestle table from uh, school. <laughs> you're going to eat on it and you're going to be grateful. But like, that's the kind of thing where okay, should he have been all more, you know, people watch that and say, oh, you know, he's a diva, he's a, but actually like, should he have been organized? Of course he should have done. But it was a massive issue with a Boxing Day game. He, kn- he knew that he was going to be in the doghouse if he didn't have a table to yeah. eat Christmas dinner on. 
So, and for, you know, whatever we could pay, 500 quid, we solved that problem. For me, that's a job well done. Yeah, yeah 100%. Now, in the future, I mean, it's not going to happen again, but like you try and say, well, look, for Christmas, on the 10th of December, what do you need for Christmas? Do you need decoration? Do you need a tree? What do you need? Rather than just going like yeah. Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock, I need a table. <laughs> like, well, why have you not thought, where were you eating before? Like, why, why have you not done that? So, <laughs> yeah. But he just had like a breakfast bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, that's the kind of stuff where like, you're like, it t- you know, you take to your back, but actually, okay, that is important for them. So let's solve that problem and, and not judge them. And I don't want people come like thinking that I'm going to be like, oh, what the hell are you doing? Like sometimes you you give them a bit of shit for it, but like yeah. in reality, you don't want them to be like, I don't want to speak to Hugo because he's going to laugh at me or mock mm. me or whatever. So yeah, so that's a quite a po- important trait to have within the job is to not be judgmental. Of course, yeah. just because you you never know what is actually going on behind the yeah, scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a player who had two wives because that was his culture, like two legal wives. Yeah. And I'd never thought of that about that yeah. before because we always had like, you know, when we have like family events, we have, you know, bring your partner. Yeah. Whether that, whoever that is, you can bring your partner. But then we're like, does he get two tickets to that? Like, <laughs> do they both come? Do they like each other? Do they know each other? Do they hang out? Like, what's, so then I just went to him and asked him, I said like, what's, what's the deal? Like, what's the situation there? Yeah. How, how, is there a primary wife, a secondary wife? Are they equal? Or do they do different things? Like, I genuinely had no idea. Yeah. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know, know that. And we had a really, and he's like, no one ever asks. Everyone's just awkward about it. I'm like, yeah, well, I need to know. And he's like, if you don't want to tell me, you don't have to tell me. But and then we, so we got to the bottom of it. And, it, and like that for me is something where you've got to be open-minded because, oh, well, that's nonsense. Whoever's your first is, more, no, that's, it's up to him. You know, we need to bring the club to that player yeah. as well as that player learning how we operate to try and bring it to us. Were there any occasions where you were allowed to turn your phone off for a day, i.e. your birthday or Christmas, <sighs> as you said? Birthday, no. Uh, really? You never got a birthday? No, we we always seem to play Man City away on my birthday, oh. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh no, God, yeah. And, and we'd have uh, it's always Manchester Airport's a nightmare as well, because that's how I look at games is how logistically easy. Or, mm. I don't care about the results so much. Like Man City's a pain in the ass because yeah. they're they're super organised, they're super secure. You need passes to go everywhere, and like whereas you go to like Leicester, they're really friendly. It's a coach ride up there. You know, everyone's really nice. Yeah. So like, I'd look forward to Leicester, Old Trafford, like Chelsea. It's gonna be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, so Man City away yeah. on my birthday, we rarely win, and so yeah, that, that was kind of I, I, you can't just take days off. And like, right. if it was like a serious, serious family emergency or something, yeah, they would be like okay. Yeah. But it's not just like oh, I've got a wedding or a fancy. Like I've missed a lot of weddings. I've missed a lot of birthdays, uh, parties, all yeah. that kind of stuff right. because football just keeps going. Yeah. And, and I was never maybe secure enough or strong enough or whatever to say I want that day off. Now when I knew in my mind I was leaving West Ham, I then started filtering my staff in and saying, right, well, this lad's going to do the cup games and this lad's going to do this game. So that, again, to set them up better so when I left, it wasn't like, well, no one knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, like, I remember they went to Newport County away in the cup and I was like, God, oh, I don't want to do that. And I think it was a late game <laughs> and I'm looking at that. Getting back like, late Because well. all the fans love the FA Cup or the League Cup. It's yeah. like, oh, great, we've got Newport away. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, God, God, God. <laughs> And the problem is when big clubs play little clubs, uh, it, it, you, you, it's very different because they don't have the structure so I remember mm. we played Wimbledon and we lost to Wimbledon I think it was we lost them twice in the cup in two years at West Ham and the problem with, with Wimbledon is like the security are all like fans and it's like everyone's a fan so <laughs> at the end of the game the Wimbledon beat us at, at, their, at their ground and all the security on the pitch celebrating. <laughs> and so suddenly we've got like 200 million pounds worth of talent yeah. and I've got my team security that I employed, you know, to, 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 but they can't hold off 6,000 people. <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to like arm the tunnel. Then there's like side doors we don't know where it is and there are basically fans getting to us 
and they're all like, you know, because they're, they're Wimbledon fans, they're in your face, like, yeah. and you're like, you're just getting a, like battered. Yeah. You, you know what you're going to do. Like, yeah. it, it, it's a bit of, like, you're not actually in danger. But the fact that, like, that would never happen at Premier League ground or a European ground where, you know, the security just run off and are celebrating on the <laughs> yeah, pitch. Yeah. And that's not a fault of Wimbledon. Like, it was one of the greatest moments in their recent history. Yeah. So, like, I understand why they were doing it. But it's that kind of stuff where, like, and then everyone wants shirts. You know, everyone is like, can I get a shirt? Can I get a shirt? Players are queuing outside our change room. And it, again, it's absolutely fine. Mm. But it's another element where when we go play Arsenal, I've not got a Bamiyan going, oh, can I get a shirt? Get a yeah, yeah. And then, like, you know, it just, <laughs> like, they will switch shirts and we'll help them with that. But, like, yeah, it's not just, like... Where is it? Like when you go to a non-league ground or a lonely ground, they all want a memento, which is yeah. fine. But and, and we've lost some horrible cut. We lost Oxford four 0 away, and you're like, God, it's just like that's re- you know that's when you really question your life decisions. I've done Christmas Day, <laughs> Burnley away. We had Burnley away on Boxing Day, and so on Christmas Day we fly up to Burnley, oh. and you're in like this like three-star hotel in Burnley because it's not really a nice hotel in Burnley, <laughs> and you're there and you're eating grilled chicken and like pesto pasta. Trying to enjoy, Christmas trying evening, to have a Christmas, yeah. And you're like, this. I question my yeah. life choices right now, but yeah. So I, I, I bet some of those FA Cup games. Oh, the, the different sure I remember going we, we used to work a lot with the FA yeah. mm. I remember going was it Sutton United yeah, Ar- Sutton, Arsenal yeah. played Arsenal Sutton, Sutton yeah. and it was wasn't it the, the, the keeper that had the pie yeah, Wayne yeah, yeah, yeah. and I remember because I, I used to do a lot of those FA Cup stuff so yeah. I got like quite good access yeah. but at Sutton I was mind blown I was on the pitch yeah, during we the warm up yeah, we were yeah. just yeah. standing on the yeah. pitch next to like Alexis Sanchez or someone like that mm. Phil yeah. Walker and I was like this is so bizarre. And the change rooms were literally like a... You know, it's like a bench. Sunday yeah, it's league, bench. Sun, Sunday yeah, league yeah. change room. Yeah. So I can imagine for backroom staff going to... <coughs> if you're in the Premier... If you're used to the heights of yeah. like the Premier League grounds, yeah. going to these non-league clubs must be a bit of a... Not an eye-opener, but a, a definite like a culture change yeah. as well. Definitely. And like, so we would travel with, what, two masseurs. Mm. And so you'd have three beds lined up. You'd have a physio and two masseurs like warming the players up. When you go to... Wimbledon, there's not room <laughs> for even 16 players because they, you, you know, in the lower leagues they have smaller benches. Yeah. So we've got, we're traveling with maybe nine subs, and then you've got the players who don't travel, you've got six coaches, you've got two analysts, you've got two kit men. And like, so I would just be like, I'm staying out of here, but yeah. we'd literally be like crammed in. <laughs> but that's part of the magic of the cup. Yeah. Is that actually, that's why these teams go and struggle because the prep isn't there, and, and like, even like everything's difficult. But, you know, Wimbledon, you have to walk through the car park to get to the team bus. Every other Premier League stadium, you know, it's fenced off, so you can go and see the fans, but you're not having to like, and they're getting pelted, and it, it's just. I remember, a, I remember when the coach rocked up, the Arsenal coach rocked up at Sutton United, yeah. and they physically couldn't actually get into the changing rooms yeah. Yeah. because the fans were in the car park blocking everything yeah. and blocking the yeah, way yeah. through. Yeah. Like they didn't even have enough security to get when the players came off the bus. Yeah, it was like yeah, a free yeah. for all to get yeah, into yeah, the change yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. They're like sprinting in. Absolutely, and then you got like, so I mean, I remember we were pre-season one time. And I said to the security, I knew, you know, we hired, like, we'd, we'd never really take our own security on pre-season because you want local people, local knowledge. And I said to the guy, can you just guard the, the we had two, you know, the bus has a front door and a side door. Can you guard, one of you guard the front door and you guard the side door. Then I'm, in the, I, I'm in, the, in the hotel talking about something and one of the players puts in the players group chat a picture of the security guard getting selfies with the player on the bus. But on the bus, so I have to go down then. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I didn't do anything. And I'm like, here's a picture of you getting a s- yeah. selfie with whatever player. No, it's not me. And you're like, yes, it is. What are you talking about? Like, I, I don't know, I can't prove this, but like, and so you're like, but that's the kind of thing where you're, you're working with different standards of stuff. And like, we did the Premier League tournament in China. That was a massive eye-opener for me because like, I'm used to going to European, Europe or America yeah. where the language is, like, if I don't speak the language, someone on the team will. China, it's obviously so different. And 
to go there and fly in there and just have everything be so alien. I think for me, really made it understand when a player arrives in England and doesn't speak English, how completely disorientating yeah. it is. Yeah, 100%. And the language is obviously not even like French to English. There's words where you you can kind of work out yeah, what you're yeah, doing, yeah. you know, like un bière and a beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in, I don't know what a beer is in Chinese, but it ain't a beer. Yeah. Uh, so, so like you felt so like lost and so like out of your depth and everything. And it made me really understand how hard it can be for players as well. So yeah, I mean, lots of fascinating experiences for sure. And obviously there's a lot of ups, a lot of downs, I'm guessing as well. Yeah. Uh, one of your more famous stories that was, uh, well, quite public, wasn't it? I think you've talked about it quite a lot recently. Uh, was the it's a Diop ring story? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain that one to the viewers if they don't know? Yeah, so this is um, it, it resurfaces every now and then. So like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, no, but no, actually, from from me being the most famous for uh, player's wedding ring is mad. But yeah, so Issa Diop, I can't remember what game it was now, uh, but he he wasn't expecting to come on, I don't think, and suddenly there was an injury or a change of formation or something, and he was called on, and he has this like double wedding ring it's like a looped ring right and they're not allowed to wear rings but sometimes they tape it up yeah. sometimes they take it off anyway he hadn't taped it up so he was like trying to get it off and he couldn't get it off and he ends up like putting it in his mouth and then pulls it and one of the rings like hits me on the shoulder and the other one goes somewhere in the ground <laughs> and he's like grab it yeah and i'm like yeah <laughs> the problem is at london stadium like the bench where i would sit with because i was doing the subs board at the time yeah. and like i don't know why in covid they said the fourth official couldn't do the subs board someone from the team had to so it was something okay. to me so you, you put it on then you hand hold it up and it's, it's actually really heavy but that's <laughs> not okay for sympathy anyway um so i'm trying to do the board and you've got to do a card you've got to fill in the card give it to the fourth official and then you've got to put the thing and hold it up and so Issa, i'm holding the board and then Issa's ring one of it i catch it and then the other one i couldn't find it but with the bench being so far from the pitch at West Ham, I'm there, like, David Moyes is there. I'm there. I think it was Martin Atkinson was the, the fourth official. And then whichever manager we, was, we were playing mm. against was also there. And there's the four of us up there. And Martin Atkinson, I think, I think it was Martin Atkinson, but whoever the fourth official was like, oh, if you want to stay up here and find it, that's fine. I'm like, David Moyes is going to look over me and like, what is this imbecile doing? doing? <laughs> it's like the second minute. Hugo's on his hands and knees. Like, so I was trying to basically like look and look down. Anyway, I didn't. We couldn't. I couldn't find the second ring. And Issa comes off straight off the pitch. Goes, "Have you got my ring?" And I'm like, "Got half of it." And he's like, you, "You know." He's like, "Okay, well, just can you find it?" And so we're. I'm looking around and I got a metal detector from like when they scanned the. Oh my God. Oh, is that what the, that what it was? The, the, the ones. Yes. It was, it was yeah, like yeah. an airport scan. Yeah. I was like, because it's metal. Yeah. And I couldn't see it in the grass, and so we got one from like security, and we and I couldn't find it. It wasn't beeping anywhere, and then we got a roller, which is um the thing that they um it's like on wheels. It's a magnet. And it's used after concerts to get like ah. coins and stuff off the pitch. Oh, so it's I didn't know that was a thing. So yeah. they rolled it down and they, it, wasn't, it wasn't popping up, wasn't popping up. So then there's like five or six of us <laughs> looking around and then finally one of the groundsmen found it. Now, I didn't really think much of it, but then on match of the day two that night, <laughs> like, it, it, was like, yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was like, they're playing Benny Hill music over it. And I, then like, my arse is hanging out. And I'm, oh, like, no. and I'm like, oh God. So then everyone's seen it. Yeah. But then like, Three or four months later, it's on like Britain, uh, UK's funniest football moments. <laughs> one you know, of them like, like TV shows. You know one of those shows where there's yeah, like, yeah, people yeah. talking about it. And then it, I was like, oh, I don't know, what, 23, 24. So then it, it goes again. Yeah. And so I've got like Bianca Westwood being like, and Hugo's doing this. He doesn't even look. And, just, <laughs> and I'm like, cheers, Bianca. Like, just like going into my mind and like, yeah. all these different like comedians or whatever they are commenting on my state of mind this and like, because there's a point where I look away and I'm trying to get the physio to get Vaseline to get his finger off. Yeah. But it looks like I'm like not bothered. Yeah. And the ring goes over my shoulder at that point. 
Anyway, I'm just like, this is mad. This is like the one thing that I'm like, not known for, but like yeah. people would know, maybe have seen me on. And then like, it was even Issa's birthday yesterday and the Premier League like posted it again. Like, It just does the rounds yeah. every single yeah, year. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But like, I think it's just worse since my ass is hanging out because I'm like <laughs> on my hands and knees. And I'm like, it's just like live on, uh, on the sky on being match of the day. And I'm like, Great. I imagine the panic just getting worse and worse. I was like, oh shit, it was, we were like it? pulling up the grass and everything like that. And it was like, cause it was like an astro on the side. And I was just like, this is gonna be really bad. But like, ultimately it's on him. Like mm. he wouldn't blame me, I don't think, because he should have been ready. But like I was just thinking my whole credibility for years of being like, you know, talking about all the stuff we talked about now. And then I lost a ring and had my ass out on TV. So it's just like, you know, that's the way but it I is. I imagine there's quite a lot of stories like that, but that's like the main publicized. But it's like, it's not even that good a story, really. I don't think <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just because there's a video of it. Yeah. That it makes it a good story. But there's been loads of other stuff where you're like, well, that's pretty silly. But like, you know, like it, it is, that's just one that sort of caught the imagination. Before we get onto the uh, the quiz we do every week. Oh God, okay. Um, I want to touch on one thing. Obviously, in our professions, uh, I, well, me as well, I've been very fortunate enough to work with a lot of footballers mm, yeah. and meet some people that I it, never in my wildest dreams I would have thought yeah. I'd meet and yeah. work with. And you have to strike that balance of being a fan and being professional. And I, I, I've definitely realised over the years, I've felt that I've sort of become less of a fan. It's just very, not normal, but it's much more normalised yeah. to meet yeah. these people. Yeah. Have you ever had... Exactly that, yeah. yeah. Have you ever had a moment where you've gone to yourself, oh my God, yeah. how, how am I here? Like, yeah. have you ever met someone that's like, wow? Definitely, I think at the beginning, of my when I first moved to the Premier League, I was still that fan, you know, I'd been, yeah. a year before I'd been at uni, like going, this is mad, you know, I love this, this is, you know, watching all the games. And then, so all the players I'd watched on TV and the managers I, I was now working, not with, or, or was sometimes with. Um, so my favourite player as a kid was is the most random one ever, but it was Tim Howard, the oh, nice. Everton goalkeeper, and yeah. like part of the reason why That's I was cool. American, fan. yeah, American guy, really cool, like played with yeah. guy, like yeah. I just I thought he was the shit. So before I joined Southampton, I did I, I emailed Everton because I knew the player liaison there. I was like, can I do a day's work experience? Just to, he'd been there twenty years, as I'd said, and like I was like, can I just come up and shadow you? And he's like, yeah, of course, come up. And we're there, and he's like, um, right, one of the things we've got to do today is, is Tim Howard's got an appearance. I was like, Tim Howard? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, Tim Howard. I was like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> and I, like, I still think to this day, like, he's just like, he's a legend. And, like, the reason I like him so much was that he was cool. But I remember I wrote fan mail to him, maybe, I don't know when I would have been, 10, 12, whatever. And he, I forgot to put postage on the thing. And he, which I now realize probably wasn't him, but he paid for the postage and signed all my different items and yeah. sent them back. And I think that's, that's, cool. that's one that moment now, because cool. I, I used to deal with the fan mail that came into the club, would make sure that anyone who took the time to write in would get a hand-signed card back. And that's yeah. really important to me, because you never know how it can impact going yeah. forward. Um, so I then was at this appearance, and Tim Howard was there, and I was just like, oh, I've got to be professional, but like really excited. And they didn't ask him for a picture. I think I took a picture, and I did like one of those, like, I'm going to take a picture of the scene, and then yeah, yeah, in, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. wow. <laughs> but I never spoke to him, never said anything, but it was like, I was like, wow, this is going to be really cool. And like, sure, you have like. I, I remember I bumped in. I like bumped into Mourinho going around the corner, and I was like, "Oh, sorry." And then I was like, "Oh, oh goodness," you know. Like, <laughs> but then by the time you get to like five, six years in, like, I think the most things that players want is to be treated like people. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. And, and 100%. like, even referring to them by their first name. You know, like, I always find it. I always have to catch myself when you walk out of a of a stadium or a thing, and they're like, "Noble, noble, noble." And you're like, "Noble," and you're like, "Oh, it's Mark, Mark. or, yeah. or, or yeah. Nobes, I guess." If you're yeah. friends, yeah. and like. But for me, like, even just say, like, you know, you talk to them with respect, but you're not like, 
oh my god, I remember that game when you did the like yeah. I would never do that because I'm not that football fan. And so yeah. rather to have that professional relationship where like you can have a chat, but actually we someone to talk about politics or you talk yeah. about, you know, world issues because a lot of the times the players are not very knowledgeable about world issues, but they're scared to ask because they're scared of looking stupid. Yeah. So we've had great conversation on general election in the UK. We've had conversations about um, players coming out. We've had questions about you know all, all politic, politics, Black Lives Matter, r- racism, social media, and we'd just be like, let's have a coffee either on the bus or on the plane or when we're sitting because we're a lot of time just sitting around. Yeah. And just talk as and anything you want to ask, we're going to be open and non-judgmental. So, you know, one of my proudest things, which is actually a really minor thing, is before I think it was the last general election, we had four players registered to vote because we'd had that conversation of yeah. saying this is why it's important and this is how it can affect you and this is how the MPs work and this is how your MP is picked and there's 650 MPs and all this and they're like we never we, we always wondered but we never wanted yeah. to ask and like that again is going to sound like well like, why is that your, one of your best achievements but I think to get people involved yeah. treat them as people and get them involved in something bigger than yeah. themselves is a really nice thing and you know that's kind of little thing where it's not it's not vital to the club's well-being but it's actually a nice thing to build that relationship yeah that's a cool story um I was going to interject before we... Yeah, do it. Quiz. Go ahead. You brought a bag of goodies. Yeah, yes. yes. Yes, yes. So, so I was just hoping to see what was inside there. Right. I'm, I'm not sure which order to go in. And I, I, uh, let's have a look. So I'm going to go least exciting, I think, for you guys to most exciting, potentially. So this is one I want to... And this is not actually a football shirt. Is that a dart shirt? No, this is a... So I, when I was at uni, I interned on the Indianapolis 500s. Really? Oh. And this was the t- Team Red Line Extreme. You wow. know, <laughs> very American. Um, but this was my shirt from that. And I just thought, it's nice to show, like, a bit of my memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. where it came from. That is and, cool. Like, last name on the back like that. It was... Uh, that is a seriously cool shirt as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And it's... Uh, so that was a cool experience I had as a kid. Um, this is one that I bought. Ooh. This is a treat to myself from classic football shirts. Oh, um, well, they are a supplier. There we go. Well, yeah, they yeah. didn't give me a discount on this one. I <laughs> paid way too much money for it. But as a treat to myself, when I started my company, I bought myself a replica USA 94, the USA oh, home cool. shirt. Um, and as you can see, that the shirt, the sleeves on the replicas were reversed. They're on the wrong way around. You see, like the the, stro- the stars oh, should have gone. They should be. They should be over oh, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should be that so size. on the on the genuine shirts, they were the right way around. But on the ones they sold to fans, like this one, they're the wrong way. Was around. that a mistake, or did they do it on purpose? I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I was three years old at the time. But um, anyway, I really liked this shirt, and I thought it was really cool. So I uh, that yeah, reminds me of the, when they used to do the penalty shootout from the halfway line. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, the old MLS. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I got this. I like this one. This is a Yoshida. Yoshida match shirt. Match shirt. Cool. Japan versus Australia. How did you get that? Well, Wait, Southampton. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was. Yeah, yeah I, I was. So, so sometimes. Were you, you at the game? <laughs> sometimes. No, that's true. Actually, they yeah. give me a shirt as like a thank you or something like that. So nice. Oh, it's signed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's signed. Yeah. Cool. I don't know what. Two Hugo. Very, very personal message. <laughs> the question there. is though: is it is it washed? <laughs> it's. Yeah, I don't. Uh, well, it's. Because you, you never want to risk the. Uh, well, that's rubbing of the. That's what I've got next. So it's in the plastic Whoa. because it breaks. Pele. This is Graziano Pele. Yeah, yeah. Um, Euro 20, Sorry, I pronounced that completely. Uh, 16. His shirt from the Germany game, the semi-final. And um, shorts. And the sh- well, there's actually two pairs of shorts in there. Oh, right. But it absolutely reeks, which is why it's in the... Uh, <laughs> in the sweat. Is. Yeah, it's like, it's like muddy. You can see at the bottom it's muddy and sweaty. Oh, that is so cool. That um, is cool. And this is the shirt. And I don't... Do you remember how they went out of this tournament? Wasn't it... Penalty shootout. 
and Simone Zaza did the little like oh, yes. little step and then missed it. But Graziano, who I loved a bit, he um, he said I think it was Neuer in goal, and he goes like I'm going to chip you, and then missed the target. Oh. So anyway, that's that shirt. But. That's always rough. not quite a Perlo uh, versus like no, Joe Hart, no, no, was it? No. <laughs> if he'd scored it, he probably would have kept it. Yeah, fair, so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. Offloading just bad <laughs> memories. This is cup final shirt. Um, Southampton versus Man United in the EFL Cup final. Um, it was the the one-off white shirt that we wore. Is it? Um, Has it got a name on the back? Or is yeah, it just Josh Sims. Who's, oh, uh, nice. Yeah, he's a great lad. So I thought that's quite a nice shirt, and mm. got it signed by everybody. And then finally, um, when uh, this man went nice to, uh, oh. Southampton, oh, hello. to Southampton, Southampton uh, to. To Liverpool, he, saw, he left me that on my desk. So, what did he oh, say? that's a nice best, touch, isn't it? It's the best player liaison. Oh. He should have said player care, but you know, Easter asterisk. I was going to correct him, but I thought that was really nice. Oh, that's so, just, that's a nice personal touch, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so like, a lot of the shirts I've got they're signed like to me, and I, I didn't ever want to again be that fan who was like, "Can I get shirts? Can I get shirts?" Yeah. But a lot of times, like just you know, they're around, or you or players say, well, "Can I can I get you some to say thank you about? Oh, can I get a shirt from you?" Because yeah. Like I've got, I've got some shirts with players I've never worked with, and they don't mean anything to me because, mm. like, an Angolo Kante, I've never even spoken to him. Yeah. So, like, it's cool I got a shirt, yeah. but like, not doesn't yeah. mean anything. Whereas the ones that actually I work with the people the most, they're, they're the ones that mean. Well, it shows the that the bond was real. They go out of their way to actually leave you something yeah. on their way yeah. out. Yeah, exactly. I, I saw it in that Sims shirt. Yeah, this is so random. So I need to ask. <laughs> it's, it, it's not a site. It says fitted. Yeah, so this is the match shirt. So are the match shirts, are they fitted to the specific player or do they get a small, medium, large? Depends on the club. So actually, I, don't, I think it's fit. I think it just means it's tight. Okay. It's a small, oh. it is a small. Okay. Um, now, some clubs, they do measure the players. Do they? And we've had players who've had their shirts, match shirts tailored. So they'd be like a large and then they take it to a tailor yeah. and get it pulled. Because obviously, you don't want anything to be able to grab onto it. Yeah. So like, someone like me, I like to wear loose shirts because... I don't look good in tight shirts. But um, for them, they want it to be as tight as possible. So, so yeah. Well, boots they get... Boot, you, boots are custom, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you can buy um, pro level boots on like classic football shirts and stuff like yeah. that because they are different to normal, normal boots yeah, even the yeah. expensive like 260 version of the boots yeah. are not the pro level yeah, boots yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and because uh, they also they almost have like orthotics and custom like exactly so, like, yeah it's very important. So, oh, moving on God. to the quiz. This is the fun part. I didn't realize well, that was a study. <laughs> yes, I mean, and, and also, normally, normally I've been coming up with the quizzes, so okay. I know the answers, but uh, the last couple of weeks, Jamie has been coming up with the quizzes, so I can actually take part. Yeah. Okay. There's, uh, in and that, these that's ones. the leaderboard. There's potentially a few names oh. you might recognize. Spencer, Three I think. Three is the highest, is it? Three is the, is the yeah. top. Yeah. If you get more than one, you've beaten Ben Foster. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah, that's that sort is of. Is it art. football in general, or is it general knowledge, or is it? It's football. Okay, all right. It's football. Um, now this is for all of us. Oh, so we're I doing thought. it? No, no, no. Oh yeah, okay. What? Is it just for? We, it's for you, but we'll yeah. play along on the yeah. side. Oh, okay, we'll just answer fine. We we'll answer. Yeah. Oh, so you're gonna see my answer and then agree with it? Or disagree with it. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> disagree. Oh, yeah. Especially Cheers. how we Cheers. run every time. This is why none of the, this is why none of them got high scores. Yeah. Right. Question number one. Yeah. Which Spaniard has the most Premier League appearances? Uh, blah, 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 blah. Ooh. I've got a couple of names. Yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, head. I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm thinking either Aspilicueta or Fabregas. Really? See, I I was gonna go Reina, but what Pepe Reina? Yeah. Could you throw David Silver into the mix? I was also oh, thinking yeah, him. Yeah. See, on my first, I I don't want to don't want to sway your answer. Yeah. I was gonna lean towards Fabregas purely for the fact he was 16. 
when he made his but debut. Then he went to Barca for a while. Yeah, and then he came not back. Been in the Prem for a while. I know. David Silva's a good shout. But Asbel has been there like 10, 11 years now, and he plays quite a lot. Oh, he's true. Goalkeeper lifetimes are quite high. And he, Pepe Reina was at Villa as well. Yeah, yeah. He's been. Did he? he oh, yeah. The, he went, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Who are you going to go for? I think it's David Silva. Yeah, to be fair, now you said David Silva, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go David Silva, yeah. The answer is. Says Fabregas, yes! I can't believe it! It called you, but even, even at that early age, he wow. played. He played, pretty much played every single game. That's like, crazy. Was he was he's, for years. He was a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah. played such a high volume games from so young, that and came back okay. to Chelsea. He went full Pedri in the Premier League, didn't he? Really? He did. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did. Oh god. Okay. Oh wow! 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 Oh wow! So it's fifty. That's like a season and a half longer. Well, we got yeah. we got top two. So yeah, collectively, yeah. Fabregas. <laughs> if if my point does count, I would have got a point yeah, there, but go. it doesn't count. Oh. Anyways, zero out of one. Right, but it was close. Right. Yeah. Question number <laughs> you can two. See why three is the top? <laughs> question number three. Only three towns have played in the Premier League. Yeah. Can you name all three? For example, Luton Town. Is Luton Town one of them? No. Okay, that's an example. Uh, Hudders- Huddersfield or- Town, great shout. Ipswich Town. Huh? Oh, I don't know. Town, Swindon Town. They were founding. I think it's. I think it's Swindon. I think For the were, Premier League. I think they were in the first year. I think they were really. In, yeah, I think so. Ninety-two. I'm going Ipswich, Huddersfield, and uh, Swindon. He could be bang on it. That is unreal. That's one of the top answers of the series. Yeah, I'd say. yeah. Is that three points? It's only one point. It is oh. one point. He should get. But I tell you what, that's a big one pointer. It's, it's yeah, one yeah. with an asterisk. Yeah, a, one, a bold one. One point one, just yeah. in case I need to jump above someone. There we go. All right. I tell you what, that was serious. That Suck was. It, ben Foster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold that L. <laughs> yeah. uh, this is uh, a true or false. Okay. Rangers tried to sign Lionel Messi after Alex McLeish was alerted to his ability by playing football manager. See, I think Alex McLeish was manager after Messi came to Barcelona, so I'm going to say false. True or false? I'm going to go. Oh, oh, sorry, I'm going to. I'm going to go with true because I think Just it's a bit different. Yeah, yeah. You've got fifty-fifty chance, haven't you? I'm going to go false because you guessed it. Come on! I, 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 I'm going to need to hear it from the horse's mouth. Did we need McLeish? Evidently saying that. Well, of course he's going to say that, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. yeah I, saw, I, I was about to say a Scottish accent there, but <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. better stop that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? Better, better stop that. Better no, stop. no. What did Alex Kish say? No, I'm not going to try it. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> try. Uh, another true or false? Oh no. Former Germany international Tim Weiss. Yeah. Went on to become a professional cage fighter. I in know the UFC. this is false. It's WWE. Well, he's answered my question. I was oh, just, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> yeah. What were you going to go for? I was going to say I, I knew his WWE. As yes. Well, so I was actually going to say that. Yeah. So nice. well done. Thank well you. Done. I did also know his WWE. <laughs> but next time you read an answer, I got so excited. <laughs> I got. I was like, no, I know this one. Yes. So two out of four. Two out of four. So how many is it left? Is there five questions? Five questions. This is to tie up with Spencer, James, and Chris, MD, and oh, yeah. Alex, and oh, Charlie. Oh, oh, <laughs> big, big, big dog. <laughs> and and uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. This is a who am I? Oh, God. I always suck at these as well. Yeah. Well, we, we'll stay quiet because I've obviously ruined one of the questions. You stay you quiet. Right, <laughs> Two out of four. Yeah. I've played in South America, England, Italy, and China. I have a total of 308 goals in 746 games. I've played with Ronaldo, Messi, Buffon, Morata, to name a few. 
My only international honour came as a gold medal at the 2003 Olympics, suffering three Copper America heartbreak finals. So my initial thought is Hulk. Wow. But was it England one of the countries he's played in? Yeah. He has played in England. Has Hulk played in England? I don't think he has. I don't think he has. Because it's China. 2003 Olympic gold medal. So that's that Brazil had a yeah. period of winning those. So I, I think it's a Brazilian. But it's got to be a, it's got to be a, it's got to be a striker, isn't it? Ronaldo as well. Yeah, three hundred eight goals in seven hundred forty six okay, games. So it's a, it's his forward player. Two thousand. Oh yeah, Olympic. Yeah, two thousand four um, Olympics. Huh. Pat, Pat, Pato? No, he didn't. He, he was too young then. Too right? young then. Yeah. I'm trying to think, Ronaldo, R- Cristiano or Cristiano, Cristiano, and Lionel Messi. What do you mean? And Messi's only. So he's played with Messi. And so he Ronaldo, might be Argentinian. I thought he was. That's that was my immediate reaction. <gasps> so the the Olympics was oh, no. 2004 Olympics was in what Athens? No. Oh. Yeah, it was Athens. Oh, I know who it is. Yeah, I think I know who it is. Right. Get well. Wait. I think I know who it is. You seem very confident. Yeah, I think I know who it is. Though I don't know if they played in China <laughs> or South America. But well, I, if they're I, from South America, they probably played in South. America. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, I don't so. know if they played in China. I'm going to guess, but I know they played in England and Italy. Italy. Oh, I think I got. I think I've got the answer. I think I got the answer. They played with Ronaldo and Messi. But then I'm like, where did they play with Ronaldo? <laughs> that might help. <laughs> if they didn't play with Ronaldo, that's probably not the answer. Because Ronaldo's only played for we spoke about five teams: Sporting, United, yep. Juventus, Real Madrid, United. So fourteen. That, that's oh, I don't think stand. this guy played with Ronaldo. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, so, oh. so I say who I was thinking of anyway. Go on. Go on then. I was leading towards Crespo. Mm, I don't think he ever played with Ronaldo. Yeah, that's why that's yeah, why yeah. I'm sort of like yeah. a bit lost. But because the Olympic is under 23's competition, so it's gonna be a young someone who's young in 2004. That's still not many current players. That's what I'm leaning towards, like Hulk or Pato. But God, this is a tough question. I uh, I think we've got a, we've got a guess, haven't we? Really. Um, <laughs> You know what? I'm going to stick with my guns and just say Crespo. I don't know it's why. It's going to be like bloody Linton or something. Like <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> Go on. If you're going to say a name. I'm going to say Hulk, even though I'm, Hulk. I'm, I don't think it's right. But I'm Crespo. Say I'm going to say Levetsi. Oh, oh that's so basic. Tevez. Oh, my God. Oh, that's actually outrageous. Oh, my God. Oh, Argentina, didn't he? Yeah. Wow, well, that's really stupid. Everyone in the comments will be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's someone at, right now screaming at their yeah, like, monitor yeah, yeah, going, yeah, yeah. hey, you... I'm screaming at the monitor. I'm not even at that. Yeah. Oh, how do we not get oh. that? So I've got three points for the three clubs. I mean, that's the one that you gave me, so I've got four. <laughs> technically oh, four. I don't like that. <laughs> what the four. <laughs> the clubs was a big answer yeah, to that, that was Yeah, that was an impressive point. That's football manager, though, because you play, you, know, you, you go to the league, you see what the yeah. So. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? I was just about to say, so um, there might be quite a few people that have really enjoyed listening to Hugo. Yeah. I, I certainly have. Yeah. Um, and might even be inclined to be interested to apply to your course. So where could they find that? Yeah, that's a great plug. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Playercaregroup.co.uk. Uh, obviously on Instagram, Hugo Schechter, Player Care Group, Twitter, LinkedIn even. Football manager. Um, football Hugo manager. <laughs> I think they, don't think they've removed me out of the game yet. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> so I, I think I'm in You'll live on. Yeah, I live on. I look because I don't think they know the name of my replacement. But uh, yeah, so yeah. Find me, Google, Google Player Care. You can't miss me. Exactly. We'll leave all the links in the description down below, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Before, before we end, 
We oh. can't forget. Oh, yeah, we always do. So oh, God. you have the honour, sir, of yeah. signing wherever you'd like on oh, this God. prestigious... So I do inside not to devalue it? You did right, hey, Where's the pen, Jamie? <laughs> Wait, do we actually not have the Sharpie? Oh, this is horribly annoying. So that's play it here one on one. Yeah, this actually is. I have so many Sharpies in my flat. It's a whiteboard marker. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll do it after. We'll do it oh, after. Right, okay. But is it not in the thing? Well, that's what I said. It's normally up here. This is basically we leave the shirt up here. Every we time. need our own Hugo, really, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people got proper signatures here. Yeah, yeah. Some, some yeah, I, I write my name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Easily, you know, like checks aren't really a thing anymore, so you're not going to bank fraud or anything like that. No, exactly. Normally, I put like uh, a 14 because that's normally my number. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. But, uh, you know, I was clubless at the time, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really do that. English shirt as well, so. Would you play, would you take 14 for England? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would. Okay. Really? 14 everywhere. Is that Jordan Henderson's number? <laughs> Tierra Henry's number, actually. <laughs> for England. <laughs> for England as well, <laughs> yeah. English footballer. Uh, well, if I actually prefer England, you want one to 11, really, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I'd go, I'd, I'd, I'd go. I'd go number. If I'd anyone call me up, I'll take whatever number. I'd say I'm only playing if I get number eleven. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but uh, yeah, mate. Thank you so much for coming on. No, it's been uh, as always, as so I said much. before, we will leave all the links in the description down below. If you want to go ahead and do a little bit more research yourself, yep. um, make sure you are subscribed. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and rate us five star on Spotify. Yes, please. Um, and with that being said, we'll see you all very soon. Yeah. Bye bye.